Father, we thank you for your greatness. We thank you for all that you are doing in our lives. We honor and we praise you. And now, Lord, our heart turns towards your word. We ask and we thank you for your presence that's leading and guiding us. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you give me the wisdom of the Spirit. I thank you, Lord God, as this word is being broadcast. Lord, a seed of your word is going forth that it will land on good ground. And that we'll be more confident to embrace the call of God on our lives. And we thank you for your greatness, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are you ready for the word this morning? Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I want to encourage everybody that uh, our nursery now is available. Praise the Lord. We um, decide it's time to get that open. So um, that ministry to your babies, that's available as well. If you choose to utilize that uh, ministry that's available, I want to let you know that. And also, again, as Pastor Therese has mentioned, and also Minister Blaine, our worship guide has some great uh, information, some things that we're doing and which we're excited about. So I want you to be part of that. And also, if you hadn't had an opportunity yet, I did a video uh, that shared with you what I'm really excited about is this uh, one-page resource that's available for you, resource uh, source that's available, and it's called the Source of Confidence Checklist. Now, I don't know about you, but there are times I've got to make some big decisions or I've got something new I'm stepping into, and uh, what Pastor Teresa mentioned as well about taking risks. And so what this is, and it's available in the back, is just, it's going to give you some of the things we've been teaching and preaching about for the last month and a half. And you can take this once a week and just, you know, what I suggest that you do, and before we actually create it, we're going to put together an actual uh, source of confidence journal that you will have these questions that you can journal your answers in so it's all in one place. Uh, but for now, you can take this and just ask you some questions. It talks about the scripture for today and uh, it also talks about the character of God that you're believing. You want to see God, you know, manifest in your life uh, and some really great questions. So I'm going to encourage you to take advantage of this um, tool that can help you in your journey towards uh, confidence. And so those are at the back. You can get one of those. All right. Well, let's get right into the word of the Lord this morning. Uh, let me invite you to go to Matthew chapter 14, verses 31. Matthew chapter 14, verses 31 is where we're going to begin today, and then we're also going to read Hebrews 11. I'll read that one. You don't have to turn to that if you don't want to. I'm going to read it from the NIV uh, translation, but we're going to begin Matthew chapter 14, verse 31, and I am confident that you're going to be blessed this morning as you're going to mature in the word of the Lord. While you're turning there, the Lord says something to me very interesting. He says, uh, Pastor Rowan, or he said he was speaking to me, and he says, Rowan, learn the difference between maturity and human development. And he says, maturity is for the believer, and human development is also important. But he says, learn maturity, what it means to be a mature believer. Then you can go into the realm of human development and see the potential and the purpose and all those things that God has for you. You're going to hear from me consistently as pastor. You're going to hear these words. We must be a balanced church. We must be balanced believers. Being in a safe place doesn't mean you don't take risk. It's because you're in a safe place why you take the risk. And so that's important. And so he's saying we want to grow and mature. And the only way you can mature biblically is through the word of the Lord. It's the only way. 
And so that's what we're going to dive into the word today. So I just want to encourage that every time you open your scriptures, you have your devotion, you're hearing the preached word. Remember the goal of it is for you to be mature, for me to be a mature believer so that way we can have conversations that leads to connections, okay? Conversation that leads to connections. Matthew 14, verse 31. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Matthew 14, 31. Jesus immediately reached out his hands and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Hebrews 11, verse 1. The NIV translation says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Mm. Now faith is what? Confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I mentioned to you on Wednesday that the Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, which are the synoptic Gospels, and then John, which is another Gospel, the goal of these writers being inspired by the Holy Spirit, and why is that important, that the Scriptures are inspired by the Holy Spirit? The reason for that is because there needs to be in your life and in my life absolute truth. So the gospel writers are inspired by the Holy Spirit, and they are writing, and there's a particular audience that they are writing to, and here was the goal of the gospel writers. They wanted to make sure that you got a historical, and that you also got a thorough theological frame of Jesus Christ. It is important that you understand that Jesus is not some figment of someone's imagination, He is not a fable. He's not something that was just made up that you told your child or was a story. Jesus is and still is the Son of God. There is his story there that he actually walked on earth according to the Scriptures. And as a result of that, there are theological things that we can gather for that, especially confidence that is fueled by faith. So the authors of the gospel really want us to get the story right. Let me ask the question, is the church today getting the story right? It's critical that we get the story correctly. And even more importantly, that people know your history. Because we live in the past that robs us of confidence to take the risk, to embrace the call of God on our life. But when it comes to history... You understand that when it is your life that we're speaking of, you can understand that everything about your life that involves God has a theological redemptive history behind it. That God knows you're not where you're supposed to be, but God is taking you where he wants you to be. Oh, that's a great place for someone to say, thank God for that. Because if I was going to be just stuck right here, oh my goodness, if this is all that there is, I would be the most miserable person on the planet. And the reason for that is because success, if you don't see it from a redemptive history, you then will make success become your God and you will stay stuck, even something called success. So in other words, the good, if we don't understand God, can really be a robber 
of the glory of God in your life. So the authors of the gospel really wanted to make sure we got the story. And so when you're speaking to people and when you have confidence, you want to make sure they get the story right. You want to make sure that what God is doing in your life is exactly what you are communicating to people. And so here it is that Matthew is writing this now. And they said that it's important that you understand this need for faith and that the events that happen in your life are events that are designed by God, created events designed by God for you to then see the invisible. Because Hebrews 11 says that that faith is the confidence, it is the assurance, it is the hope of seeing things that we can't see. And if you read further in Hebrews 11, you will see where it says that Moses was successful because he's seen the invisible. And so therefore that comes as a result of recognizing how vital and how important it is for us to understand what faith is, especially the importance of confidence. If the community of Christ followers are going to get the story correctly, if we're going to thrive, ready for this, and transform the world, then we must do what the early church did to transform the world. It's important that we follow the pattern that God has outlined in his word. Why? Repeat after me. We must get the story right. (laughs) Because people are looking and they want to put their confidence in absolute truth. We must as a society, we must as a people. And so the writer in Matthew 14 now was saying to his audience, a Jewish community, you've got to get the story right. You're going to hear rumors. You're going to hear all sorts of things being spoken. But you got to get the story right. And so when it comes to confidence, we must get the story correctly. And here it is. God is the source of your confidence. No one else. Period. Exclamation point. End of story. So I've been sharing and I've been teaching with you that confidence then is a security and safety. In some context to get the story right, you have to be able to look at the context and say, in this situation in my life, what I need now is security and safety. Come on. That's what I need right now. I need God to be the source of my confidence because what I need now is safety and security because things can change. I'm not in control of everything. I'm not. And and if you think you are, just live another day and you'll realize you're not in control of anything. And so what we need is security and safety so that our trust is in God because guess what happens? The enemy is at work as well. The Bible says he's like a roaring lion seeking who it may devour. Who wants to disrupt your life is the enemy, not God. God wants to bless your life. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be successful. We have to get the story right. And so there are moments I need confidence, safety, and security while the enemy is bringing all sorts of lies. I need to make sure that I'm safe and secure that God is at work of redemptive history in my life. And so for some people, though, you need assurance that I make the right decision. Do I, am I in God's will for my life? Am I in what God wants me to do? Because guess what? God may reveal to you you're not. So you need the assurance to make that decision that leads to destiny and what you need is the assurance you need the assurance is God mad at me 
We must get the story right. There are people who are terrified of God. And God is saying, why do you have that type of fear? They need the assurance that God is who he says he is. And so there's people that you can look at them and they're not speaking with confidence because they have no assurance whether or not that you have an agenda, whether or not you have a sword behind your back, you're going to stab them. They have no clue. And what we need is to have some confidence to know that I can be assured that your presence is beneficial in my life. That's a good place to say amen. Because when we or you encounter God, in the grieves, in the place where you are grieving, in the place of where you're at loss, in those places where you need presence, you have to have the assurance that that person was sent by God. You have to have that. Because we need people, we need community, but you got to make sure I have the assurance. And until you've actually been in the presence of God, you won't be able to discern where that person is from God. You want to be able to know the attributes of God. So when someone comes with those same attitudes, you can say something is disconnecting here. Something doesn't line up here. And so I need to have an assurance that you're going to get the story right. That after you leave my presence, you're not going to talk about me. Come on. But you're going to talk what God is doing through me, what God is doing in me. You're going to talk about what it was to connect with each other. Am I preaching to the church this morning? We need this type of confidence. We need it. We need it because we are a team. Some of us, we need courage. Is your confidence and courage are two separate things? We need the courage when we have the confidence. We need the courage. For some, it's hope. We need a hope that it's going to get better. And so the song that you heard, I'm so excited because it's the first song that I co-written. Come on. That last song you heard was Ian and I. We wrote that song. Some of those are my things. Come on. And God just really was revealing to me. He says, look, when you get in my presence, creativity will come in a manner that you would be like, oh, my goodness. Think about it. I can't carry a tune, but I can write a song. Come on. That's so good. Because I made a statement. This month is going to be the greatest month and guess what? The moment I heard those words, the devil says, but you forgot about last month. I mean, instantly. I said, it's going to be a great month. Put it out on Facebook. And instantly, the enemy says, what about last month? That lying devil, come on. If you don't need courage to get out of bed, I don't know what's going on, but in 2020, you need some courage. You need some hope because to make that statement, it's going to be a great month. People are saying, have you not been living? But I'm feeling the Holy Spirit wants me to tell you again. We must get the story right. <laughs> and so we need confidence to do that. And finally, we need, we need trust. We need trust. And so all these things, all these things manifest itself with this. When we break down the word confidence, it, it really means con, which means with, and fideo, which means faith. And so when you look at confidence, then in action, it means living by faith. It means living by faith. So to get the story correctly, to get the story right, we have to live by faith. And so here is Jesus now. He reaches out his hands and he gets a hold of them and he asks the question, how come you're not confident? 
How can we not live in with faith? How can we not live in by faith? And so we must pick this apart, right? Because we got to go from little faith to a life of faith. God doesn't just want you to have one victory and that's it. He wants you to live in a perpetual, perpetual cycle. Come on. Not of dysfunction, but a perpetual cycle of victory. He wants you to go from glory to glory, from faith to faith. Come on. And that's where we're going. We're moving in this thing. Why? Because we must get the story right. For some people you will encounter, you just got one moment in their life. They're just going to give you five minutes, maybe 30 seconds. And we have to make sure that they get the story right. Because if they're going to go tell somebody, you ever play broken telephone? Come on. And one person starts over here and says one thing. By the time it gets over here, they say something totally, completely different. That's what is happening in the church. Come on. That is starting the book of Acts. And now we're over here and we're confused. The devil is a liar. We're going to get the story right. That in the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost fell. And today, the same Pentecost, Holy Ghost spirit is there. Because we're living with faith, people are looking for a church that's living by faith. Come on. They're going to look for a place where they can gather and say, so are you preaching the gospel, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And that's what's happening. And so here it is now that he's looking and he's saying, and I quote, that the lack of confidence that's sweeping through America and the nations right now, that we need to have people who just don't have little faith, but people who have a life of faith. And in order for do that, you must make a decision that I'm going to embrace God's call on my life. You cannot, and I say it again with full confidence, you cannot fulfill and maximize your potential if you are not living by faith. Your life must be a life of faith faith that embraces God's call on your life to see the greatness, to see, to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. So faith, write this down, is the fuel. Faith is the fuel. And so here we see in Matthew this story. And what's interesting with this story is this, another point I want to make is this, is this, is that God has the details worked out. He does. He has the details of your life worked out because because Mark writes about this particular event, and, and so does uh, a John. Luke doesn't write about this at all. This particular encounter, Luke doesn't write about it at all. Luke is focused as a physician, as you're supposed to be, writing to the Gentiles. So Luke is not writing about this, and Mark doesn't add the middle part of it. Mark just says that, hey, he fed the 5,000, told him to get on the boat, and they were going. John writes that they were, John writes about it, that he was actually going to walk right by them. But Matthew says, hold up a second. Matthew says that there's going to be a group of people in the middle. There's going to be a group of people that they need the details to be able to know how does this thing work. And so Matthew is the only one that writes about Jesus walking on the water. Mark doesn't put it in there. John doesn't put it in there. Luke doesn't write about it at all. But Matthew says, no, this needs to be in there. And here's why. Because some people will tell you that this was just, was, was just a story made up to give people encouragement. That he didn't historically walk on water. They will minimize the miracle, come on, to mess with the message. Ooh. 
They will minimize the miracle to mess with the message. Because if we get the story correctly, transformation will take place. And the devil doesn't want people to hear the message. He wants us to see people's mess. Oh, God. And so because of redemptive history, we can look at where we've been. But God knows I'm taking you someplace. I'm taking you from little faith to a life of faith. And so Matthew says, God is in the details. He knows every hair that's on your head. He's in the details. Oh, that I'd encourage somebody that he's in the details, the things that could have been missed by other people. He is in the details. And so Matthew wants us to recognize the details. And so Matthew realized that, that, that these events, that there's twofold, that there are sequence of events. And so he begins in Matthew 14, and he says this immediately. He made the disciples get into the boat. These are the sequences of events. This is what the attention to detail is speaking about. And so read that scripture. He says, immediately, right after the event of feeding the people, Jesus realized, I got to maximize the moment. While I have your attention, I have to maximize it. There's something we have to do. And so he goes now, and the Bible says in verse number 22, he made who? The disciples get into the boat. This word made is the Greek word, compel them. He, he compelled them because perhaps they saw the weather forecast and they were going to be content to play it safe on the shore. And so Jesus now recognized there's a dimension of me you need to see. And he now compels them. He says, who will get into the boat? And he compels them. He actually tells them, this is the next assignment. He wants to know who is going to be obedient. And so the disciples, with, with the 12 basket full of the leftover, come on, that's the type of God we serve, that he told them to take up the, the leftovers of, 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 the, uh, of the bread and the fish, and they have it. And he says to them now, I want you now to get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Not go on your own, go before him to the other side. So that's one group of people, one group of people. The next group of people, he says, he dismisses the crowd, the people that were fed. He dismisses the crowd. He says, okay, you need to go now. So he's got one group. You get in the boat, go to the other side. The other group, he says, I dismiss you now, and you can go back home. You're filled. You're satisfied. Isn't that always like the crowd? Just want the physical need met, and that's it. Don't want to know where Jesus is going. Just keep feeding me. And he says to them, I'm not going to, to ignore you, but I'm going to dismiss you. I'm going to say to you, now go because you have your fill. And verse 23 says, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. He was there alone. So look at the sequence of it. So he tells one group, I want you to do this. Another group, do this. I'm going to do this. And so in your life, right now, and the people that are here, you're at different stages in your life. You're at different places in your life. And we're all coming together, and it's Jesus giving the instructions. The reason why Jesus is giving the instructions is because he knows exactly where people's hearts are. He's attentive to the details of your life. And he now says, I took care of your need. I took care of your need. Look what he does. I'm going to take care of my need. I'll break that down. He takes care of the disciples' needs. He takes care of the crowd's needs. And then he goes before his father. I got to take care of my need. 
And when you've been laboring and you've been working, if you don't take care of your need by going to the Father and get your confidence and get your fuel and faith, you will burn out. You will be empty. You will not be able to serve anybody right there. The reason why we get the story wrong is because we're tired. We haven't spent time with God to find out what do you want me to tell people? And so Jesus recognized he has to do that. And so here it is now that, that the life event is this. And so he's up there, he's praying. But verse 24 tells us that the boat by this time was long away from the land. And it was being beaten by the waves for the wind was against them. Here they are now, obeying what the Father told them through Jesus, and now they're in trouble. Isn't that like life? There are people, maybe nobody here, but there are people, you're afraid to embrace God's call in your life because all hell is going to break loose in your life. And you don't want that. Before I was serving God, things were great. And all of a sudden now, I accepted Jesus and things are not going the way I had planned. Here they were, they're saying, we're going to obey you. This is your idea. The weather didn't look good anyways. We wanted to stay safe on the shore. But now they're a long way away from the land. And the waves for the wind was against them. Now they got some opposition. Opposition is facing them. And this is how life is. I read a quote that was real interesting. It says, life is complicated. God is not. Life is complicated, but God is not. And so he's saying when life seems like it's so complicated, look to God. That's what Jesus did. He went up to the mountain. Why? Why did he go by himself so he can pray to the Father and get some instruction? Because he knows that life is complicated. And here we see it right there that Jesus now is seeing the disciples and they're going against it. These are professional fishermen. And all of a sudden, the waves are hitting them. Why? Because the wind was against them. It wasn't God. The wind was against them. God is for them. You got to tell yourself that God is for me, not against me. And so what's coming against you, don't blame God for that. No, it's the wind and the waves. What is happening is Jesus interceding for you because he knows that life is complicated. The Bible says he lives ever to make intercession for the church. Thank God for that. Thank God he's interceding for the church. And so here are the four things I want to leave you with. In this concept, how do, you, how do you go from a place of little faith all the way over to a life of faith? Here are the four things. Write these things down. The first one is this. It is the walk of faith and not a leap of faith. It is a walk of faith and not a leap of faith. It is not like and jump. No, no. It is a every single day. It is every single day you get up and you say, I'm going to go and I'm going to walk by faith. Faith, it's not a leap of faith because what happens sometimes when we leap, when we leap, we're going to miss moments of miracles. We're going to miss moments of maturity. If we just try to jump over it and sometimes we just jump over to avoid, come on, the responsibilities that are supposed to be there. The storm, even though it was against them, the wind, it was strengthened them because it required them now to have to exert their energy. It was necessary. It was all part of the plan. Do you really think that Jesus didn't know that the storm was going to come? He knew that. He knew that. But he's saying, walk of faith, not a leap of faith. 
And so when we look at this, we see in Matthew 14, 25, and it was the fourth watch of the night, and he came to them. How? Walking on the sea. He didn't leap over to them. He just started to walk towards them. He intercedes, he sees them. And right now, if you're going through a storm, if you're going through something that's against you, here's the good news. Come on, we must get the story, what? Right. Jesus is walking towards you. Oh my goodness, I'm going to take a praise break right there. If it's just for myself, I'm going to do that. Thank you, Jesus, that you don't walk out on me, you walk towards me. Oh God. And no matter what I find myself in, you don't walk away from me and making a distance. You walk to me. The only time God can feel distance when you walk away. Come on. He's always walking towards you. He always wants to have a conversation with you. He knows life is complicated. So he comes and says, I'm the author of life. I'm the one. It's a walk of faith, not a leap of faith. That's what it is. And so therefore, we must recognize in this walk of faith and not a leap of faith that not all fears are equal. We must recognize that. For the Bible says when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. This fear is not the fear of what we see later in Peter's life. This fear was that they were encountering the I am. <laughs> this is why it was important for Matthew to write about this. Because Jesus says, take courage, it is I. It wasn't the fear that they were terrified because of the storm. No, no, no. We'll get to that after. This fear was they were seeing God. And it terrified them. They're like, whoa. They were having an encounter with God that made them recognize like the Old Testament saints used to. When they had an experience with God, they would be frightened just like Jacob and says I've seen God I'm supposed to die but he hasn't killed me they weren't believing in ghosts no he was saying we're seeing an appearance we're seeing the form and when Jesus says it is I what they heard was I am that I am they heard what Moses heard and they were terrified in the midst of the storm. They were absolutely saying, what is more important is not what's inside of me. What's more important is what I see outside of me. Oh, because Jesus came to deal with what was inside of them. Oh, that's so good right there. That's what they were saying. They were saying, there's something inside of me. I don't know what it is. And we're going to see that it was doubt. But what they had first was what was outside. It was a, it was a ghost. And they were saying, who is this? Who is this thing that's walking? And when he says, it is the I am, they were terrified. Because they recognized that all fear is equal. And so what this nation, what we need, what the body of Christ needs is a holy reverence fear of God again. What is missing? We're fearful of everything. We're afraid of our shadow. We're afraid of this. We're afraid of that. But the one thing we're not afraid of, we're afraid of sinning against each other. But we're not afraid of sinning against God. And I'm here to tell you that Joseph got it right. Joseph says, listen, how can I do this wickedness and sin against my God? We got to get back to a place where not all fear is equal. We must get a holy, bold reverence for the things of God. And says, God, let let your holy reverence come back to this nation again. We got to cry out with fear. God have mercy on this nation. God have mercy on my life. If you, if you show up, God, help me to be able to embrace all that you have. See, that's what the walk of faith does. 
and not the leap of faith because you will miss God encounters. See, there's a lot of things you can rush and just, and just get it quick. We have microwaves now that's not fast enough yet. We have cell phones that's just not fast enough yet. Speed limits are going up now. Everybody's in a rush. Everybody's just rushing in and out, in and out. And the enemy is winning. And please don't get this wrong when I say this. But I remember when we used to be in church for hours. We brought our kids to church and they sat there in morning service. And you ready for this? Evening service. I remember when the malls were closed on Sunday. Come on. And we used to have bring food and we would just stay there and hang out. Those were the good old days. But we must get the story right. And then we stopped doing night service because we got busy. And then we went and we now have services that could be done in 30 minutes and 45 minutes. And I'm like, do you think it's a coincidence that a generation who is biblically illiterate is not the result of us not spending time giving them the word of God? I'm just saying. And so instead of having them walk in faith, we're telling them to leap over certain things. And they're missing God encounters. And now they're afraid. Don't know their calling. Don't know their career. And God is saying, listen, it is a walk of faith because Jesus came walking. Are there moments where God will take you and he will move you at lightning speed? Of course, he did it when he came to Philip. He did it with the Ethiopian eunuch. But see, those were sequence of events. He had to make sure he couldn't have him go back to Ethiopia, not getting the story. Oh, right. He's reading the scripture. He says, I'm reading about this prophet Isaiah. And so the Holy Ghost says, Philip, you got to get there quickly. And he goes there quickly. He says, he cannot go back to a nation not getting the story right. Oh, good God Almighty. And so that's why he sent me all the way from Canada, eh, to come down here. To tell this nation, we must get the story right. I couldn't say that 10 years ago, being used, abused, and refused. But now God says, this is your season. This is the time now. This is where you got to tell people they got to walk by faith. You can't leap over certain things. Lord. I know it hurts when you think about it, but you can't leap over it anymore. Right? You've got to deal with that issue, and it requires you to walk by faith. Because your little faith got you here. But, Ro, I want you to have a life of faith. There's a big difference. Someone says a big difference. So the first thing is this. I'm going to walk by faith and not leap of faith. I'm not going to miss a miracle moments in my life. Mentally, get that in your mind. Mentally. I'm not going to miss miracle moments in my life. The second point is this. Take one step at a time. This is for those who like the practical. Make it plain, preacher. So this is how it breaks it down. Take one step at a time. Take one step at a time. And so in Matthew 14, verse 29, he says to Peter, who then went and says, if it's you, bid me to come. And I read this and it was interesting because Satan said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And he refused him. But Peter says, if it is you, command me to come to you. Look at the difference between an innate object, come on, 
and an object of creation, both created by God. And so we have to have discernment. And Jesus recognized now that what was being asked of Peter was not the same thing being asked of the enemy. Because if we continue to read in Matthew, we see where Jesus rebuked Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan. And so when we look at this thing one step at a time, here's what he's saying. He says, Peter, this is how it works. So once you know that you're walking by faith and not the leap of faith, he now says, Peter, here it is. He says, Peter, he says, come. So Peter did what? He got out of the boat. So the first thing we have to do if we're going to have confidence is we have to get out of the very thing that we think is safe. It was safe when he said, go to the other side. But now that he's here, you need to ask him this question. What do you have for me next? I'm not going to miss a miracle moment. Is this helping anybody? See, see, here's the thing. His mercies are new every day. You got to get fresh revelation from God. It's so good. That here he is saying now, you told me to get in the boat. We're doing that now. Now I'm seeing an aspect of your glory I've not seen before. I must ask a different question. I'm no longer going to ask the question, why did you put me in the storm? I'm going to say, I want to come out to you in the midst of the storm. That first, the outward messed with my inward. But now, because you said, come, it spoke to my inward. It's spoken to the inward part of me now. And I'm not just living by the flesh or by the feeling of fear. I'm living now by faith that's inside of me, that when you speak a word, it must come to pass in my life. Take one step at a time. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. So the first thing we must do, you got to get out of the boat. Get out of what you think is safe. For 2020, that all blew up. Come on. What we thought was safe has been blown up. And he's saying now, get out of religion. Come on. Get out of things that are causing you to limit your ability to see who I am. Get out of that thing. Because you may think that that storm, if you stay in what you're in, is going to help you. I'm here to tell you, no, get out of the boat. The second thing he did was he says, now walk to me. So Peter gets out of the boat. Watch this. So Peter gets out of the boat, and now he's like, what do I do? He's still there. I'm still here. And so Peter now starts to walk, and I've said this before, not on water. He's walking on the word. Ooh, that's so good. That's so good. He's walking on the word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So before you get people's opinions, get what God thinks about it first. Walk on the word of God. Get what God says about it first. Trust me. There are people God will break into your life, but also the devil will bring people into your life as well. And you've got to be able to know absolute truth from false, from deception, from agenda. Come on, church. Mature believers know the word of God. And so I look into the word of God first because when I see and I read the word, I see a reflection of who I am. And so he's walking on the word. He's walking on the word. And where are you going to? That's the question. Where are you going to? In the midst of your pain, in the midst of your struggle, where are you going to? And it says he was going to Jesus. He wasn't going back to the shore. <laughs> he wasn't going back to that place. He was going back he was, excuse me, he was walking towards Jesus. So what may seem like backwards is actually in God a forward movement. I heard about a bow and arrow. And when you're ready to, to, to get your target, that's when you pull it back. And so there's times in your life you feel like God is 
pulling you back. God says, no, no, no. I got the target now. And I want to launch you into something. I want you to go where I have you to go. And so therefore, when you get out of the place that you think is safe and secure, and you walk now on the word of God, ready? One step at a time. That's how you do it. One step at a time. That's how children walk is one step at a time. And he came to Jesus. He came to Jesus. He came to Jesus. And so point number three is this, and I'm going to end you with this. I think this is important, and we'll look at the other ones, but we're going to look at this one. And this is what Matthew really wanted them to get, and this is where we are. Point number three, keep your focus on Jesus. Keep your focus on Jesus. Now, if you look at this scripture, it says that Peter got out of the boat, step number one. He started walking on the word to Jesus, step number two. He gets to Jesus. He's close. And all of a sudden, the whisper from the wind. Up to that point, he did everything that was required of him. He had confidence. Everything was great. He's out now. He's separated, come on, from the boat. And he's so close to Jesus. And he hears the whisper of the wind. Because the Bible says in Matthew 14, verse 30, look at this. When he saw the wind. Now, normally you see the effects of the wind. So this is now where the enemy comes in now. And he says, here are the confidence killers. These are confidence killers that will cause us to not keep our focus on Jesus. These are the confidence killers that will cause us to not get the story right. The first one is this disappointment. A disappointment. Why did I gather the boat in the first place? I'm looking like an idiot out here all by myself. Trusting God's word. Disappointment. Disappointment. Watching this show and there was this young girl and she accepted Jesus Christ and she was all excited about doing stuff for him and all of a sudden, there was a pain that she experienced, and, and they had to do some operation to try to fix it. And, and they realized that the operation was, had to be a lot more detailed than what they thought. They had to take out her ovaries, and she never to be able to have kids anymore. And all of a sudden, now, her whole perception of Jesus was changed. She started ripping up the Bible. She started ripping up the Bible. It's not true. It's not real. I don't want to go to church anymore. Why did I get out of the boat? Why didn't I just stay in my place of safety? Because some people, sin is your safety. I know how to sin. I'm a sinner. But you want me to step out and be a saint? And then you disappoint me? And so a confidence killer is that. It's disappointment. And so here it was now. That, that, and, and so there's a scene where she's in her room and she's crying. And she says, why won't he leave me alone? I don't want to feel like this. I want the feeling like it was before I knew God. But he won't leave me alone. The reason why you're too close. For him to let you go. Disappointment. I got to hurry. The second thing, and this is. The biggest one for me, disappointment doesn't really mess with me. No, but where, where, where I can find myself is distractions. Listen to the outside noise. 
Especially as a pastor and you're, you're preaching and there's movements and things are taking place and, and you're preaching, you're watching all that's going on and you got this person saying this person and all these distractions, all these outside noises. Distractions. And here's the thing, that disappointment, distractions, here's the third one, a delayed answer from God. What do I do when I'm waiting on the answer? It's the wind. He saw the wind. But let me set you free by making this statement to you. All three of these confident killers are based in fear. All three of them. Is based in fear. And I got news for you. Come on. That fear is not final. Oh, come on, survive. That the feeling of fear is not final. That's for somebody right there. That you thought it was over. You thought it was done. You're sinking and you think it's over. That fear got the best thing. But fear is not final. Disappointment is not final. Distraction is not final. Delayed answer is not final. Jesus is still on the throne. He's on the throne. He's on the throne. So what must I do to go from a little faith to a life of faith? Here's the answer. Ready for this? Here's the answer. Here's the answer. Stay close to Christ. Stay close to Christ. Matthew 14, verse 31. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? ready for this? He says, Peter, I called you to greatness. And the reason why I know it's in you is because the Father put it in you. I don't call to things that are not there. Come on. And I'm so powerful that I'll call the things that be not as though they are. So either way, I win. And here it is. This is where we are right now. See, Jesus, the Bible didn't say, Matthew didn't write. Jesus took three more steps and got a hold of Peter. That means he was so close right here that the enemy will only attack when you're so close to your breakthrough. Good God Almighty. That when the enemy and the wind and the waves are blistering and are hitting you that's a sign that you are close come on that's a sign that you are getting the story right that is evidence that the story is right and that God has given you his redemptive history so why did you doubt why did you doubt Peter's answer would have been I was distracted I was distracted I was so close to my miracle and I was distracted. I was distracted. Where are you? Let me end with this. Where are you? Are you trying to take leaps of faith? Are you taking it one step at a time? Getting out of the boat? Walking? And going to Jesus? Where are you? You see, because, because the goal is to move you from, from little faith to a life of faith. And it requires us to stay close to Jesus. Church, in the chaos that's going on, in the disruptions that's taking place, and all that's going on.
in an election season. Good God Almighty. The church of Jesus Christ of Nazareth must stay close to Christ. For if we don't, we'll be distracted and we will lose our destiny. We must stay close to Christ. He must be the one that is holding the hands of the church as he walks with us through the chaos and the complications of life. And so what has happened, I believe, is this. This is your greatest season. Come on. I said it, devil. This is the greatest season for the body of Christ. Come on, I just got two more minutes, but this is the greatest season of your life. Don't allow your past to rob you of your future. Don't allow the whispers of the enemy to rob you of your future. Get out of the place that you think is safe and step on the word of God and let God be the one that directs and the one that leads you. As for me and my house, we're going to stay close to Christ. Come on. Who is going to stay close to Christ? If you're going to stay close to Jesus Christ, here is what you're saying. I am committed with confidence to get the story right. And at the gathering place, we will get the story right that people thrive in a safe place. Good God Almighty. We will get the story right. We will be biblically balanced. We will be a safe place. And I promise you, 2020 has been the storm of the century. But guess what? Jesus is walking to the church. Ooh, come on, come on. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. He's walking to the church. Come on. If you need deliverance, deliverance is on its way. Come on. If you need a refreshing touch, It's on its way. Will you make the commitment to stay close to Christ?